The Rose Bowl Legacy Foundation preserves, protects, and enhances the future of the Rose Bowl Stadium as a national historic landmark. America's Stadium has hosted two Olympic Games, with a third one coming in 2028, two World Cup Finals, five Super Bowls, and the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl since 1923. It is the epic center of college football and is the most iconic stadium in the world. To learn more about how you can support the Rose Bowl Stadium as it turns 100 years young, visit www.inspire, which spells inspire2022.org. Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. We're going to talk some... USC football, some coronavirus, some spring practice being canceled or suspended, at least I should say. We're going to talk about that with Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. We haven't had a show since sort of all this lockdown stuff has been happening, so we want to kind of catch everybody up on what's been going on around USC athletics and college athletics in general and athletics throughout the country and and essentially the world. If you have any questions or comments for the show, you can email us podcast at uscfootball.com. Or if you'd rather call or text us, you can do that too. We got some voicemails to get to today. 424-254-9141 is the number. And as I mentioned, uh, this was kind of starting last week. It was on March 12th. So I guess four days ago now, USC sent out an advisement to everyone because of the, uh, you know, in response to the rapidly evolving uh, COVID-19 pandemic earlier today, USC athletic department leadership implemented the following measures. All practices have been suspended until further notice. All camps and clinics have been suspended until further notice. All on and on campus, on and off campus recruiting and recruiting related travel has been suspended until further notice. And all non-essential athletic staff will be working remotely through Sunday, March 22nd, at which time it will be re-evaluated. So crazy stuff there. And the Pac-12, if you don't know, they officially canceled all spring sports competitions and championships and suspended organized team activities through March 29th at the earliest. So college sports as we know it shutting down. This is unprecedented, and we wanted to talk with the coach about it. Coach, hope you're uh, doing all right out there. And we're we're just for full disclosure, we're we're doing uh you know social separations. We're uh you know we're socially distancing ourselves. We are uh, both you know, we're both in different rooms. Uh, I'm in in the in my studio office by myself, and coach is at home. So uh, we we're, we're trying to be responsible here. We do, and I suggest to everybody out there, unless it's really something important that you have to go do, like I had to leave out to do a couple of things this morning. And then you got to do it, but make sure you proper, to, you know, follow the proper directions as far as washing your hands and staying back away from people and not shaking hands and and use the, you know, sanitizers and so on. You're okay, but you don't have to do it all the time just to do it and stay away from, you know, the thing, the best thing to do is just watch television and do what the experts tell you to do. And if you're smart, you're going to follow them because they know what they're talking about. And this thing will blow over and uh, everybody will be okay. And uh, not everybody. There'll be some people that take chances like everything else. But if you're smart, uh, everything will work out. And you've got to be positive. You never go into a game thinking you're going to lose that game. So why go into this thinking like you're going to lose? Go into it like we're going to win. We're going to be stronger than ever. Everybody will recover. Everybody's following the same guidelines. So if SC's not having spring practice, either is anybody else. And who knows? You know, it'll all work out for the best as long as we save lives and uh, people stay healthy. Yeah, we want everyone to stay healthy, obviously. You know, we want to do the show in a healthy way so that no one's in danger, obviously. 
And but we wanted to do the shows. We did a um, a tunnel vision show last night, but we wanted to do these because we know there's a lot of people that can't do what their normal routine is. Um, you know, going to work, whatever your normal routine is. That's not really working right now. So we wanted to at least put some shows out there for you guys to enjoy. We'll talk some USC football. We'll talk about, you know, everything that's been kind of going on, uh, you know, in the world of uh, USC athletics, really not much going on. And then, you know, kind of what it means going forward that people have kind of questions that, you know, obviously, you know, questions come up when they're like, hey, what does this mean? Their spring practice is going to be delayed or will it not happen at all? Or will they do it in the summer or attach it to fall camp? There's a lot of kind of questions like that. Um, you know, and we don't have all the answers right now, but we just want to talk through it and hopefully it's therapeutic for everybody. You can, if you want to hear some more about your USC football team, uh, we're still here to do that. So that's kind of what we want me to do. Um, coach, I wanted to start with you. Obviously this is a big disruption in, uh, the football program's routine practice started. Uh, they were supposed to have practice on Tuesday of last week. March 10th, uh, March 11th, they delayed it because there was going to be a lot of rain. So Wednesday, March 11th, they had practice. Uh, there was one practice. Unfortunately, I could not be there because I was speaking at a Trojan club event down in San Diego. And if that was happened, if that was happening a day later, that would have probably been canceled uh, or most likely would have been canceled. Cause then, you know, pretty much after that first practice, everything started to go haywire. And then we get word the next morning, that was Thursday the 12th, where there was supposed to be another football practice that everything was shut down. So uh, it's obviously a huge disruption to the players and the coaches' routine. I don't know. I don't think you've had anything this substantial, but how would you kind of navigate when things, when something's kind of disrupting your routine and you know it's going to have an impact on, on your entire program? Well, that's a, that's a good question, but uh... – you don't know. I didn't know all the facts as far. I was there Wednesday, so I had a chance to watch that practice. And uh, we can comment on those things if you want. Sure. We'll, yeah, we'll do that think, after. That's fine. Yeah. I think, uh, I think you have to sit down and uh, make sure you check with your medical staff and, of course, your university and the Pac-12 and the NCAA and all the guidelines that are necessary. I think it's, first of all, good that they ceased uh personal contact and being around people until they get more until they get more of a hold on exactly what's going on. And uh, I think that uh, I don't want to see the NCAA or the PAC 12 panic either. As far as, you know, they made those evaluations and cancellations, I think hastily. And I don't know if they needed to do that until they followed and see exactly what's going to be happening. Maybe by, you know, April, May or whatever this thing uh, you know, maybe uh, better off and we can resume our regular lives. Uh, I hated to see that happen because it took away all the the desires and opportunities for kids who work out all year, that want to win or go to the championships or experience their senior year. And they're talking about things that are replacing that, but it disrupted everything when you say, you know, it's all done. We're not going to have the College World Series. And all the cities in Omaha and all these cities that are prepared all year round, how they're disappointed on what's going on. I think that we should say, basically, we're going to take it uh, two weeks at a time and see what happens and follow what's been in the best interest of the student athlete, students, and everybody involved. I think that doesn't put a panic statement on it uh, because I think that was done sort of Hastily, I, I mean the Pac-12 uh, cancellation of uh, the basketball tournament. If they were going to cancel it, I think they should have canceled it earlier. There was a lot of inconvenience of people traveling there and not being able to get out of there, and, yeah. and all of that. I, I mean, you know, that type of thing started and then ended. I, I think that's yeah. Shotgun not flew out there. Part. Shotgun flew out there Thursday to go catch USC's game, and then by the time he landed, it was canceled. So there was a lot of that happening. Yeah, so I think that the, a lot of that's got to be a little bit more, uh, what do you want to say, organized and thought out for the people. But everything's going to be equal. I mean, now, if they don't have or allow spring practice, how are they going to handle that? Because a lot of teams have already started spring practice. Some teams have five days in, six days in, whatever, and some have one day in, like USC. And then some, and the ones I wonder about a lot, are the ones that are brand-new coaching staffs that haven't had any 
So what type of introduction will they have for their teams as far as getting ready for the fall? And there'll be, I think, a lot of discussions on starting fall practice. If there's been no spring practice earlier, maybe 10 days earlier, where you can catch up with some of the techniques that you would be doing in the spring where everything equals out because everybody's on the same page. So everybody's going through the same thing. So everybody will have the same uh, difficulties as far as getting their team ready to play. But I think, again, it's important that your kids have individual workouts. And right now, currently, even like myself, I go to a gym, you go to a gym all the time. Well, I'm finding another way. I'm not going to the gym. I'm finding another way to stay in shape. Maybe it's not lifting weights, but maybe it's walking, maybe it's cycling, maybe it's something else. Uh, so you have to, you find a way to maintain. And I think kids that uh, understand this, and they will be doing that, and uh, staying in shape is the best they can, hoping that they'll have an opportunity to play. And if they don't, it'll come around again. So uh, it's hard to, hard to plan that, but you've got to follow exactly what the guidelines are because you can't allow or take a chance of any of your kids becoming ill because you try to do something that wasn't supposed to be done right. Yeah. Um, well, do you, do you remember any kind of disruption to things that you were doing and, and how you would handle that? And obviously it's not to the scale. No, never to the scale. Now we had a lot of flu type of situations where, you know, maybe we had 20 guys with the flu or 15 guys with the flu. And I just simply canceled practice because you could make that up. It wasn't like in the spring you couldn't make it up. So we would just say uh, if there is a big bug going around, we just cancel a couple of days of practice and kids are young and healthy and they recover in a hurry and we get them back. But nothing like this. No, nothing like complete shutdown. And basically what it is is a complete shutdown of all athletic uh, activities. Yeah, that's when you do that, obviously it changes it changes the game. And I think for USC, now everyone's not practicing now. So it's not like someone has an advantage over another, although you you talked about maybe some player, some programs practice four or five times already and others haven't even started at all. But for a program like USC, I guess one of the disadvantages is when you bring in, you know, six new coaches out of 10, and you're going to run a new defensive scheme and you're going to run a, a whole new special team scheme, all of that stuff needed to be implemented in the spring and get, you know, kind of get the players an opportunity to practice it and then study it over the summer and then really get ready for it in fall camp. Where if you're a program that's running the exact same scheme, everyone already knows it. And, you know, maybe some of the incoming freshmen don't. Do you look at that as something where programs that have made big changes on the coaching staff like USC you're kind of behind the eight ball a little bit. You, there's a, there's going to be some disadvantages there because you aren't getting the opportunity to learn all that new stuff. I agree. It's a, it'd be a bit bigger impact on teams like USC with new coaches and so on. But I think that one day of practice they did have, it was a beautiful day, and I had a chance to observe a lot. It gives the coaches a chance to look at a lot of tape and I think the number one thing it gave them was a chance to work individually with these athletes for two hours on drills as far as being able to evaluate their speed, their get-off, the, uh, the way they hit, the way they pursued, the way they covered. They had a chance to gauge their speed, the punters punting, field goal kickers. They had a chance to actually be on the field and evaluate them, and they can talk about them and watch those films over and over and over and get a pretty good idea of the talent level. Now, that would have been better. One day is better than zero. Yeah. So, so they have that, and I think they'll utilize that a lot in staff meetings and also in position uh, meetings as far as the coaches themselves saying, I think this kid can play, this kid can't play corner, he doesn't have the speed, uh, blah, 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 and whatever. So... I think that one day really benefited USC coaches as well as the players because you could see two different philosophies as far as the past philosophy of the offense still there and the new philosophy of the defense definitely changed. And I think that the defense had an introduction to what to expect and the discipline they're required to do and the offense is basically 
the same as far as lackadaisical as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I wanted to get your thoughts. It was only one practice. Um, but how different, you said the offense looked the same. How different did you feel overall how practice was run? I remember last week you talked about you want to see it differently, how they blow the horns, like everything you wanted it to be kind of different. Um, but the how different did it look? And like were the drills different for special teams? Was it different for for uh, the defensive side of the football too? Like how, how what kind of different feel did you get? Well, as far as on the defensive side of the football, it started off the same as always. Uh, nothing different as far as that was concerned. But you had a new, uh, let's say, environment on the defensive side of the football. You could see immediately, I could see uh, the uh, effort, the coaching that was going on, the intentness as far as what was, what was coming to the defensive side of the football. Now, the linebackers used to work out in front of us where we were there in our media area, but now they do the conditioning as far as with injured players there. So you have a chance to evaluate how injured these players really are and will they be ready to play and blah, blah, blah. But the defensive line, the linebackers, the secondary are still down on that other field where you really have a tough time evaluating. But I had a good chance to watch the secondary and the teaching of the secondary. Uh, I really like the techniques and the way they settle up and, and do the different coverages and, and stances and so on that they went over. And the intentness as far as the way they ran around and did different things. And on the defensive line, down below, if one guy made a mistake, everybody paid for it. Everybody was punished. Not punished, but uh, reminded that that's not the way you do it, effort-wise or technique-wise. And uh, I think this uh, sort of carried around the defensive side of the football. They went to team as far as seven-on-sevens and so on, no running game involved. And you could see it on the defensive side of the football, so much more discipline. Really? As far as the way they ran on the field, they would run onto the field, not not walk on the field. He would have them line up on the sideline in a three-point stance or their stance, and he would give a couple of snap counts so that they wouldn't jump off as far as practicing short yardage type of situations. And then they'd run onto the field and get set up as fast as they could so that they're ready and alert to know how to line up against different formations and play football. While on the offensive side, half the offensive team is on the field, huddle around, uh, you know, same old, same old. Uh, as far as it, it really, if you're a football coach, you can see the difference of, what's happening on one side of the field and what's happening on the other side of the field. And uh, not uh, being critical, but I am as far as what I like as a football coach. I think they all have to, to, to have that intenseness and discipline as far as being back off the sideline and not uh, behind the scrimmage and getting closer and closer to the play and running out of bounds and running into people. And, you know, you don't need that. I mean, you got to be able to, to show the way it's going to be. And I think if they notice that, and if Coach Clay Helton notices that, which I noticed, it was very easy. I mentioned it to a couple of the media people, and they said, yeah, you're right, Coach. I think that uh, if he notices this, he might uh, get Graham Harrell and say, hey, let's, let's do it this way, okay? Let's try to look uh, and, and run onto the field and, and have a little spree of core, a little discipline, and, and do it the same way because it basically was – look like 100% on one side and the other side. I'm not saying they didn't try to throw the football and do anything, but the, the execution of as before the play started and the discipline on the sideline was completely different. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, good stuff. I mean, we only got to see – well, I didn't even get to see it. Only You only got to see one practice. Um, I'm bummed. I didn't get to see anything because I had to go speak at that event. It was great. You know, I got to hang out with Jake Olson and introduce an MC event for him. Uh, but like I said, if that event was held on Thursday instead of Wednesday, it wouldn't have happened because there's like 80 people. So they don't want that many people gathering in one spot. Uh, let's jump into some of the questions, Coach, unless you had any other thoughts uh, going into it. We got kind of a variety of stuff. Anything else? Or you want me to just jump in there? No, just go ahead. Anything you want to do. All right. So Ken in Ontario, he says, due to no sports at the moment, I love listening to you all. But right now, it'd be great. If you would step in and fill the void left by all the sports shutting down, bring in some guests to discuss the upcoming football season. Just something right now. Thanks for everything you guys do. Fight on Ken in Ontario. 
Yeah, Ken, that's a good idea. We want to try to do uh, more shows in the you know in the off season. The good thing about our business is it is online. Um, we can do podcasts safely, and I can be in here and have someone on the line like we're doing right now. So we'll have the Coach Harvey Hyde show. We'll have the Dan Weber show. I we got to do. I I owe you guys a recruiting show with Gerard Martinez, so we'll do one of those as well. And then you know try to get some special guests, especially as this the, the time rolls on. We'll get people to come on the show that you know maybe talk sports a lot and don't have as many opportunities to right now. And we'll keep trying to put creative content up on uscfootball.com. Everyone's sort of just kind of getting used to it, but we know we can be a distraction. And uh, I mean, I guess that's our job, coach. Like, but we have to come up with some different things because the the stuff we normally would be covering isn't happening right now. No, I agree. And, uh, you know, I do a lot of radio, too. And what I do on the radio, the same thing, discuss things of the past, discuss score, the stories, talk about players, talk about the future, talk about all the different things that are going on in football as far as changes and how it's going to be now with schedules and what the NCAA is going to have to adjust to and also the income of the conferences, all the different things on how these are all going to be adjusted. Because it's going to be a hardship. It's going to be a hardship on athletic departments with income and so on. So there's so many different things to talk about that you might think that we're out of topics, but we've got a lot of topics that we would never discuss with uh, spring practice going on. Yeah, that's true. And uh, there's always things to talk about. But and, and thanks to all of our listeners out there for sending in ideas. You guys are great at that. Let's go to Frank in Sacramento. He said, uh, "Injury." so the subject is injuries due to tough practices. I don't recall many practice injuries occurring when Pete Carroll was running really tough practices. Um, and he said, perhaps Shotgun has some stats from those years. Uh, Frank, no, Shotgun wasn't covering the team in those years. He, he, does those, he doesn't look up those stats. He creates those stats. He watches everything and um, and writes everything down. So that's what he's creating those stats and he wasn't around during that time. But yeah, I don't remember like a whole bunch of guys getting injured from the Pete Carroll era in in practice, coach. And they definitely practice hard and they they're practice fast and hard. And I think it was really effective. So, I, yeah, I agree with Frank. No, it's definite. I mean, uh, when we had spring practice, when I was coaching at the division level, we went 20 days and we hit every day. Every single day, and it was physical. Every drill was physical. That's when you made the football team. We found out who liked football and who didn't. And we had very few injuries, very few injuries. The body became accustomed to it. They were in great shape. Uh, Nobody was really babied. People were worried about playing in the NFL, and if they got a hangnail, they might not be drafted or whatever. People liked the game of football. You played the game of football, but you loved it. I think now today it's a different philosophy out there on exactly what is injured, what's an injured player and what isn't an injured player. Everybody is making sure that there's no liability, that the kid's all right, and this and that, which they should be. But uh, it's a little bit different, uh, and I don't think kids heal up as fast as they used to. Heck, we'd have a kid get his knee scoped, and, and of course we never played a kid unless a doctor would, would approve it, but 20 days later he's playing football, playing in a football game. Now, uh, you know, they they take a whole spring off and maybe they're ready for the fall. Maybe they're not. It's a whole different philosophy as far as uh, being ready to play again. I don't know if it's because it's a different type of practice in medicine or if the kids are not as tough or maybe the bodies are bigger, faster, and the collisions are are worse. Uh, but uh, I, I noticed that. And if we had a knee in the spring, I'd be really sick be sick, you know, a broken arm in the spring without always be ready to go. I mean, if we had just one or two major injuries, I'd be sick because of of the possibility of losing a player. Now, when I was at SC on Wednesday, they got six, seven players that were injured in the fall that are still not ready to play. They're still running up and down the sideline, uh, getting ready to play. One was in one of those electric type of uh, wheelchairs that he was driving around in and and another one had to have his knee rescoped or re did again and so on so i i don't really know i'm not in the medical field 
I don't know exactly what the injuries really are. If I was, I used to know everything talking to my team doctors. But there is a difference in that. Definitely a difference in that. Kids don't play hurt. In the old days when I played, the, <laughs> the coach used to say, go in there and put some analgesic bomb on it and get ready to play. Or he'd say, go get in the tub after practice. And we go get in the whirlpool, and by the next day you're ready to go. Or the, he'd tell me, hey, what's, your, what's injured on you? And I'd say, it's my ankle. He says, that's not your heart, so let your heart overcome it. So, you know, there's a different philosophy now, obviously, and possibly there's, or probably there should be, but I noticed that there's, there's not the quick recovery that players used to have, and there's more injuries now than ever before. Yeah, there is a lot, and you're trying to prevent those and prevent injuries, and they're not practicing as hard, but somehow the injuries are going up too, so that's a... And, and you know why I say this, Ryan? You've heard me always say this, but the body's not accustomed to contact. Yeah. When you don't hit and practice, how does your body become ready for a car accident just one day a week and then have 50 car accidents on a Saturday? I mean, your body becomes accustomed to the field gradually from from no pads, the half pads, the full pads, to making sure kids wear their full pads, not skimpy little knee deals up above their knees and no hip pads and the things they're wearing today. There's no real enforcement of those rules. Yeah. So sometimes these kids get hurt, and sometimes it's because they're bigger and faster. But it's again, there's more to just a protective helmet as far as protecting the body. So I think you've got to really look at a lot of these things and demand uh, that kids wear what they're supposed to wear as far as safety equipment. Yeah. All right, uh, let's move on to Trojan the Barber. So spring practice has started, um, and unfortunately it's ended, well, or postponed. And I'm curious just how different this team will be. The new coaches sure talked a good game. Let's see if they live up to the hype. If you ask me, though, I still feel that USC will not win the Pac-12, let alone the South. The man at the top is still the same, and we all know for five seasons now that the man at the top does not have a clue. That's why they, Mike Bone and Carol Fult, uh, have not been putting him in the forefront of the program. Uh, do you guys get the sense that the same thing is going on? Also, do the new coaches seem like they absolutely respect Clay Helton and he's the captain of the ship? Or, it, or does it seem like Mike Bone is the captain? Thanks for what you guys do, Trojan the Barber. Uh, real quick for me, yeah, I mean, all the coaches that we talk to, all the new coaches, tons of respect for Clay Helton, tons of accolades. I mean, they all... Seem to love Clay Helton. So I know you have your opinions and a lot of the fans do, but we haven't seen any indication of that from the new coaches. No, I agree. Uh, and as I've said this week after week, you better be loyal to your head football coach. You'll never get another job anywhere. But I think Mike Bone has a lot to do with that. I think that he's the guy that they're trying to satisfy. And uh, as far as uh, with his relationship too, with uh, – uh, Clay Helton, I think Clay Helton is very respectful to everybody, but I think he's very respectful to him, and as he has always been with the president, uh, I think they like Clay Helton, but again, it becomes this point where you've got to win and you've got to do it, or you're going to be gone, and it becomes a point where you give a man as much as you can give him as far as support, money, and all the things that are necessary to win, and that if it doesn't happen, then if you don't make a change, you better look at yourself and you better tell everybody else it's my fault. Like I said, I never blame Clay Helton for becoming the head football coach at USC. Who wouldn't accept it? Yeah. So now the responsibility of that is now to perform and prove that whoever hired him, which was Pat Hayden, made the right decision. So, And now we'll find out if the president made the right decision again. Yeah. And uh, we'll see exactly what comes true to this but again i feel sorry for him not being the front of the program and really i had to ask someone is clay helton at practice on wednesday i couldn't find him finally i did find him but he's really in the background of the program not really out in front where everybody understands who he is in the old days the guy was in the tower and you knew who it was because he'd scream down from the tower and you knew that you better pay attention and he watched the whole field but now coaches aren't in the tower. They're normally on the field more than ever before. But 
you want the head coach. Well, one one reason why it's difficult to tell who's who, and you hear me say this all the time, is anybody wears whatever they want, okay? I can't tell who's who anywhere. I mean, the players, uh, yes, they're in cardinal and white, but the coaches, some are in red, black, white. Uh, who knows who's wearing what? Who's a trainer? Who's a coach? Who's a graduate assistant? Sometimes there's guys on the sideline yelling and drills and so on. I find out they're the recruiting coordinator. What the hell's he doing on the field? I mean, it distract. I mean, please let the coaches coach and you go inside and recruit. Uh, but you can't tell who's who. I mean, I, I, I sit there and I ask people, who's that? And they tell me who it is. Oh, okay. That's Gavin Morris. Okay. I, you know, but he's right involved in a drill. Uh, I don't know if, if I was coaching, if I want somebody to be in the drill. Uh, so these are the type of things I noticed and everybody is on the field. Nothing gets Gavin Morris. I'm just telling you, I found out who he was on the field. Yeah. But, he he but gets very people, active. He gets very active out on the field there. He's funny. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, the coaches now, this is their period to get involved and get it done. But I like to see him like a lot of schools, the coaches are all, most schools are all in the same uniform. I don't know if you've ever been or seen Nick Saban work out or these other coaches and teams and, or my teams years ago. We all wore the same thing. I mean, you could look and you knew who was the trainers. Who are the managers? Who is the coaching staff? By just looking on the field. But they all had a different color or a different uniform. So you knew exactly who was doing what. Today, I don't know who is doing what anywhere at SC, at USC. Makes sense. Uh, It's hard to tell sometimes. I mean, we know who they are. But, yeah, if you're you're just glancing out there. Um, Rick and La Mirada, uh, it's a little hard to read what he was saying, but I think he wants to know the number five that Reggie Bush wore. Uh, are there, is no one wearing it now because of the stigma or they don't want criticisms? Um, so he was kind of curious about why. So it was retired. Um, but, you know, then, you know, they, Reggie gave his Heisman back. I, no one's wore it since. I, I'm curious to see. We might know more this, this summer, this spring, I guess, well, June, when uh, the 10 year. Uh, period ends and USC can, you know, they would have the opportunity to get Reggie Bush back in the fold. I'm curious to see what the athletic department does for that. Uh, But I'm not exactly sure the reason why. I mean, I think if if there was like some stud recruit and that really wanted it, they they probably would give it to him at this point. But I kind of think that's where they are. No, they're, they're still running scared from the NCAA. And, uh, you know, they, they're afraid to, to do anything that might, uh, get somebody on campus or inquire why you're doing this or you're putting a lot of focus on this or whatever. You know, you've heard me talk about this before. I would have never, ever sent my Heisman Trophy back or, or the one we had at the school. Who are they to tell you to do that? And, uh, yes, uh, the sanctions, we've been through all of that. It's absolutely, they went around about it the whole different way. Pat Hayden was going to negotiate it with his popularity or whatever, with all of his colleagues back at the NCAA. So, you know, that didn't work. That was a failure. As far as Reggie Burst is concerned, I don't know. They What did they say? Something about he couldn't do anything with the school for 10 years? Or who the hell are they to tell me what we can do on our campus? Yeah. I mean, they made the decision at North Carolina that they couldn't tell North Carolina what type of curriculum they could have. So, because that's not an NCAA uh, matter so the kids just don't have to go to school in North Carolina during all those years. I guess that's okay, but they're going to tell, and and I'm not sure exactly how that works. So let me clarify myself, but it's something like that. What I've heard, and and they're going to tell me that I can't have Reggie push on campus or or have his number or, or whatever. I mean, come on, guys, grow up out there. I mean, some of these guys, you think they're a little bit more stronger. Hell, they, they grew up the same way you did. So, you know, they've all been athletic administrators. Come on, guys. Grow up. You know, you got other matters that are more important to take care of to worry about where our number five is, or yeah. Jersey is, who's on our campus. Please. Yeah, they, it got so bad that when Reggie Bush did the, was it the Utah game? And they were, the Fox was at the Coliseum, so Matt 
Liner and Reggie Bush were out there. Like the USC staffers that were around, like taking pictures of of everything going on, they had to make sure that Reggie Bush wasn't accidentally in the background of any of their photos. Like they couldn't any of the social media stuff, any stuff they used. They, I mean, that's how. Like, that's one of those things you could just tell the NCAA to, you know, <laughs> excuse me, but just f off. You know, like if the, if Reggie Bush happens to be in the background of one of the pictures we take, too bad. What are you gonna do? You know, like I think that's. I would like to see USC take that kind of attitude, but hopefully in a couple of months, that'll all end anyway. And you won't have to worry about that anymore. Well, it should, I'll tell you, it should. And we'll see what Mike bone or them do. I mean, I really want to see just how they protect their own athletic department and the pride they have in their athletic department by saying, okay, enough's enough. And we're going to get back where we were. You did everything you could to kill our athletic program, especially our football program. You did a damn good job at that at times. Now it's time that we're going to say we ain't going to take it anymore. Yeah. That's just the way it is. We're not going to take it anymore. So, uh, and I think that that's uh, the attitude I would take. Yeah. Let's go to a voicemail, Coach. Hey, guys. Frank from Irvine, Clutch 2004. It's time to listen to the podcast for March 10th. And heard Curtis's response about, you know, just wanting to win. I think all of us want him want us to win i think it's pretty evident why we call in why we email why we listen to the podcast um but then definitely i mean the definitions of insanity it's just exact same action with a different result and i think that's where the fan base is at is we're here because we've seen this show we know we've all we've all watched this show we've all read this book we know how it ends and we all want everyone to win but, you know, it really sounds like Mike Bond's hands is tied right now when it comes to Clay Helton. And maybe it's a money thing, but it doesn't sound like Kerr Holt really wants to get rid of Helton. Um, that's the way it looks, you know, from the surface. That's the way it tends to sound in the war room and from you guys. And so you can correct me if I'm wrong, but we'll still keep chiming in as long as Clay Helton is still the coach because he hasn't shown otherwise. He hasn't shown discipline. He hasn't shown an ability to be a sustainable winning coach. Um, the recruiting classes continue to deteriorate every year he's been in charge. So when you're in business, you know, Ryan, I know you like to use analogies, but when trends point downward, this is not some aberration. It's just that. Take care, guys. Frank out of everybody in 2004. Well, uh, Ryan, if you want me to comment on it first, I will. You know, there's a generation where timeout used to be discipline. Timeout. We're going to have a timeout because you hit your sister. Or it's timeout because you didn't go to school today or whatever. We're going to have a timeout. Well, that didn't work timeouts. And I don't know exactly where that all started, but Coach Helton, is that's his philosophy. He doesn't like players to get yelled at. He doesn't like players to get cursed at. He doesn't like certain things that are in a program when sometimes players deserve to get spanked really hard. If your kid plays in the street, uh, you know, when he comes off the street, you necessarily don't say, please don't do that again. I Really, you might get hurt. He's got to be told why he shouldn't play out there. And if you do it again, it's going to be some serious, maybe you'll be dead, but the next thing, if you don't die, uh, I'm going to make sure that you come <laughs> You're going to wish you didn't. No, I'm just kidding you when I said that. But, you know, some people just don't have them in it, that in them. And I've told you, you've got to have enforcers on your staff. On the defensive staff, you're going to have some enforcers. On the offensive staff, I don't know who it is. I'm being honest with you. Uh, they've got to fill the role of weakness that you might have or the strengths you don't have as far as a leader. And a, a good leader is having people around you that, can do what you can't do. And you want them to be able to do it better than you do. And you assign those things to people. I used to assign opportunity. I talked about that last week to the meanest, toughest coach that nobody ever wanted to be around him, okay? Because when he looked at you, you sort of started shaking, okay? Used to be those type of coaches. And maybe there'll be those type of coaches back at USC. Not that they don't love you. They'll end up loving you more than ever before but you care about him so you know if he doesn't have that in him he's got to be able to get that into him or have someone do it for him but that's his personality let's everybody understand that 
his personality is to tell the guy, any guy, even if he, even if it's me or anybody, how much he appreciates the show and how well we're doing and so on, which is him. Even if I said something negative and I don't take anything personal with anybody, I just point out things. But he is just a wonderful person and he has that about him. And he, I think, distinctly tells his coaches to a point that don't talk to him like this, don't do that, don't do that. And sometimes those don'ts don't really work in the best interest of the team. Yeah. Uh, let's go to another, uh, voicemail. This one's going to be on the more positive side. That's our buddy Curtis. Here you go. Hi, Curtis from Moreno Valley. I really want to, uh, get into Alabama and how they're going to try to defend our offense. Coach High, I know you don't like the fact that the air raid is called the air raid, but certain running backs we can run the ball with that that offense and we force people even Alabama with all their talent to drop eight could you please school us on how to attack the drop eight with the offense that we have you talking about dropping eight sending three linemen versus five offensive linemen do you fire out the two free linemen to hit whoever you want when you want to run the ball? How do you ha- how do you attack this? We this is very rare that that you that you have an offense as a coach. How would you handle that on the offensive side? If you knew 80% of the time, no matter how talented the team is, and it is possible that uh, Alabama could fall into a talent trap. They have so many five and four star DBs. They might try to go man and we'll kill them. What do you guys think, Curtis from Moreno Valley? Well, Curtis, I'll tell you, I wish I had your optimism. Uh, I think that, uh, it, uh, when you're going to drop eight, I think that you've noticed this past couple of years that, yeah, it, it, they haven't had a lot of success on doing that. And playing Alabama, yeah, they have a lot of great players that have a lot of team speed. And in some cases, they're able to put pressure on you, rushing you three by rushing three and rushing you four, but you're not real physical on the offensive line. And they're able to cover and force throws that are underneath and uh, make it very difficult on your receivers by if they catch the football, they really punish them. And again, uh, they have defensive backs that can run too. So it's one of those type of things that uh, can you drive up and down the field and can you maintain ball control? And when you get down and the field shortens on you, can you utilize the passing game when you can't run the football very well and get it done? Like this spring, they have one running back. Can you imagine that? One's in spring practice, two are hurt, steps in uh, Malapii or not. They got one running back. I mean, uh, how do you develop your running game? Now they probably have some walk-ons or something out there i didn't know that but so yeah you can you can drop it you can drop eight and you know you could you be but you don't just stay in the same thing you give different coverages you bring people when you're not expected the outside corner fires and your guy's not ready to block him or hadn't practiced or they mix it up inside i mean you know really uh you, <laughs> you, you tell me curtis i mean i know you know football obviously how many championship teams do you see to throw the ball every down? How many did you see actually in the top 10 this last year to throw the ball every down? Or maybe top 15? I don't know. You saw how it did against Iowa. What do you think? How do you think they did against Iowa? Or Ohio State or these other teams? I mean, they're like Alabama's. I mean, uh, I don't know. I think you, you see that when you play great programs because they ball control you to death. And you you just don't get it done. So uh, whenever they've played a great football team, Notre Dame or these other teams, they've been dominated. Now, they played Notre Dame pretty good the last couple of years. But they didn't win, and I think that's what it's all about. And and they're still trying to, you know, how do you get any better at what you do, what they're doing right now? Yeah. There's only so many routes you can do. There's only so many receivers you can have. You can only pay, play three or four at the same time. So you could have 15 receivers, but what are you going to do with all of them? So, 
you know, you've got to look at all of that. And remember, you've got to be balanced. And air raid means I'm a, you know, it's a false thing. Why do you have to say that? Just throw the ball if you want to throw it. Why do you have to call it air raid? I mean, what happens to the rest of your offense and so on and going under center and the old good quarterback sneak when you got one inch to go and you're not centering the ball seven yards deep or five yards deep? It didn't make sense to me. I mean, it's just common sense in a way. So, you know, that's just my philosophy. And, of course, every coach has their own philosophy of winning and losing. But that's my philosophy. I don't think you can do it just doing one phase of the game on the offensive side of the football. You just can't do it. It just, you know, there's too many things that can go wrong. Yeah. And when you lose a quarterback, what happens to you then? You know, last year they lost a lot of running backs. That certainly helped, I mean, hurt the effort to run the football. So we'll see if they can get guys healthy if they run a little bit more consistently this year. Um, Mark and Fresno wrote in. We got a couple more for you. He says, since Clay Elton was in charge of decreasing penalties, and improving the turnover ratio last year, and USC finished as one of the worst teams in the country, what is he planning to do differently this year? What lame excuse does he have for last year's lack of improvement? Mark and Fresno. I don't think he's addressed that specifically, but that's something, you know, like we said before, that he said he was going to focus on that, and USC was definitely one of the worst teams in the country. So I think it's a fair criticism. Uh, I don't know if we've heard specifically from him on that, but uh, I'm, I'm curious to see what he says. Maybe we'll, if Pac-12 Media Day happens when it's supposed to, maybe we'll be able to talk to him then or if spring football comes around. Uh, but any thoughts on that, Coach? Well, I, I would think that it starts with allowing your official to officiate at practice every single drill. And uh, Wednesday, there was no officials there at all. And there were a lot of holding and a lot of, you know, one-on-ones and stuff that could have been officiated right at the beginning. And I think they could have got a lot of good out of it, especially not knowing that there wasn't going to be any more practice, uh, practices currently. And you could teach off the film on that. Uh, and, and every, you know, offensive drill, uh, as far as pass rushing and all the different things you do, uh, you teach uh, holding and all the penalties that you normally get. And getting on the field and snapping the football and not having delay of games and all those type of things. I think you got to practice and practice. You got to make it happen. And, uh, you know, when you get tired and you're not in shape and you're getting yourself beat, then you always resort to another way of doing your job uh, on the offensive line. Then you go a little bit farther when the guy's better and you're whipping your know what, well, you're going to hold a little bit. Are you going to try to get away with something because he, he went inside and you couldn't block him, so he reached out to hook him, and you get caught. Or you move illegally, uh, illegal procedure and so on because you're not intent or you're thinking and you're thinking about getting your butt kicked while you should be thinking about kicking his butt and, and so on. So, uh, you know, there's all these little things why penalties happen. They happen for a reason because of preparation and uh, and uh, officiating. And I think you've got to make a big deal out of officiating at practice. you got to let the guy throw the damn flag and blow the whistle so they're not just running to the next drill. Oh, that was okay. Tell the coaches to shut up and listen to the official. The official made the call. It wasn't all right. And then later on you can discuss it with the official why or whatever. Don't protect a guy when he did something that was wrong uh, at that time. The official made a call. And get everybody back from the drill so you can see the whole damn thing happen and why they did it and so on. But you're going to be called in the game the same way. So make it a game type of situation on every single drill you do with an official right there. So these are ways I think that you can try to curtail it. And by not letting people get away with things uh, that when they make a mistake, you say, oh, well, no, not oh, well, get the whole damn offense out. Get off there. Bring me the next offense in. Let him get on his butt. Peer pressure is probably better than anything else. When the kids look at the guy that jumped offside and he understands what the hell's wrong with you guys, you. I mean, to punish you all, punish them all, but you're punishing the whole team when you make a mistake. Let them all realize that. And I think there's times you need to do peer pressure a lot as far as getting people to understand what the hell they're doing. One thing that's interesting, Coach, they did have officials so much last year, 
Um, and it didn't seem to help because the penalties were still really high. So I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe they made they a decision made to it. less penalties. Brian, they didn't let them work. They yeah. didn't let them work. You watched it. They call it finish, so nobody even talk about it or anything. Oh, you have a penalty on this, you know. I'm talking about having a penalty until the guy get off the field. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. We've got one last question for you, Coach. Uh, well, it's just kind of a comment from Sage. So if you guys remember when we had the, uh, the, the kind of car wash of all the USC assistant coaches going through, uh, Craig Niver had a funny saying that he said, uh, recruiting's like shaving. If you didn't do it every day, uh, you look like crap. Um, he said, and then, so Sage wrote in FYI guys, that's saying recruiting is like shaving. If you don't do it every day, you look bad or like garbage, etc." Will Muschamp was saying that a good 10 years ago. It must have been kicking around in the coaching community for a long time. Regards from Sage. I don't remember. I hadn't heard it before. Um, but I mean, I don't know if you heard that one before, Coach. Oh, I've used it all the time. Oh, you have? Okay. Years. So it's been around. Years. Yeah, yeah. Recruiting is like shaving. If you don't do it, you look like a bum. Okay. Like you so have to do it every that's day. That's basically what it is. And if you don't recruit every day, you will look like a bum. Yeah. So, you know, every day and every way you get a little bit better and better in all areas. You've got to spend time in all those areas every day getting better. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Um, well, good stuff, Coach. Thanks for uh, for coming on and, uh, you know, braving the, <laughs> the the crazy times that we're in right now. But we, like we said, we wanted to do a show for everybody. We want to keep doing shows. So at least you have a little bit of something um, to uh, listen to you're watching Netflix or TV, whatever you're doing. Uh, we wanted to give you a little other options. If you're staying in your house, which hopefully most people are um, trying to flatten the curve and all that. But we, this is, we're trying to do our part to help with that. You're exactly right. Now, what Netflix have you watched that I should be watching? I've been watching Goliath, Long Rider. Ooh. I mean, Narcos. I mean, there's some great ones out there. Which one? Hey, maybe some people will call us in and call us up. Hey, how about the morning show? Have you guys seen that one? There's... Make sure you watch that. A lot of great things on television or network, and you know, I mean, different uh, Netflix and stuff. Yeah, you've you've named a lot of good ones. I haven't even seen yet. I, I do like Narcos. I think there's a second season of Narcos Mexico. Oh, I watched it. Man, don't miss it. It's good. All right, I'll probably do that. And then there's the one. It's about the FBI profilers. I can't remember the name of the show, but it's really good. Um, well, I like it. It can be kind of slow sometimes, but I like it. Where they're, where the it's like when the FBI started profiling serial killers, and they would interview serial killers to kind of get their mindset, so you could kind of get a better idea of why these guys do what they do, and you could profile them and stuff. So I forget what the name of the show is, but I, I've I've watched some of that. I got to watch some more of that. But yeah, there's a lot uh, in there that I want to dig into. So good get stuff. into it, buddy. Light the light a fireplace and sit back and relax. And it's almost like a forced vacation. You didn't want yeah. to go on vacation, but you had to. And where'd you go into the living room? Yeah. On the couch. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that is the coach Harvey Hyde. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Peristyle podcast. Be safe out there and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 